Welcome to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. This is a show about pushing through obstacles and hard times in order to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm your host, Ted Fayton, and it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's grow. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. And as always, a big shout out to my executive producer, Andre Suttles, Suttles Solution Media, helping to make this podcast possible. We have a great one for you, and I'm excited to share the value and the story with Suzanne Falter out of Oakland, podcast host, speaker, writer, author. Suzanne, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us here today. Thank you, Ted. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. And our audience already knows that I love to give the first start of the podcast as an opportunity for the guest and the audience to kind of get acquainted and get to know each other before we really jump into the subject matter and the story and and really the value that I think so many of our audience members are going to get from you today. So Suzanne, please take the floor, let them know who you are (laughs) and, and what brings you here on the show. All right. Happy to do that. So my deal is I'm a lifelong seeker and a lover of great fun, great joy, and great energy. And those things have come to me whenever I paid attention and told the truth. And whenever I didn't, they didn't. So (laughs) I've been a writer for many, many years. I've written all kinds of stuff. I've written, you know, advertising jingles and TV commercials and novels and, you know, romantic suspense series and self-help books and speeches and all kinds of stuff. And uh, what I've learned along the way is that when I'm really living my purpose and I'm connected to what I'm here to do, which is to really move people to consider their lives and to express themselves and even on some level to heal, Mm -hmm. then I'm doing the right work. And when I'm not, I'm not. Yeah, it's that simple. <laughs> I, I love that. This when, by trial and error. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and well, this is kind of the value of the podcast and having conversations like this, because I think a lot of what we learn in life comes through trial and error. And what an amazing gift and benefit to maybe have someone who says, listen, I, I've been through this. I've done the trial. I've done the error. Let me give you the findings so you don't have to go through yeah. the pain yourself. So yeah, you mentioned yeah. pay attention and tell the truth. I love pay attention, but tell the truth. That's something I always say. I'm an honest person because it's easy to keep track of the truth. I I can't keep up with lies, right? Mm. But what is the, I guess, the importance on telling the truth of that second half? Because, you know, many folks pay attention, but that second half might be missing. Here's my scoop. My scoop is that because I'm a writer, I have a vast imagination and a huge ability to pretend dark, bad things that I don't like aren't happening Mm -hmm. or that I can just put up with a little bit more, you know, punishment and a job I hate type thing, or that I'm not being honest with myself about what I'm really here to do. And I, for, and entrepreneurs listening to this will really get this, especially folks with the side hustle for decades. And I'm 63 people. I've been at this game more than 40 years. For decades, I believed I couldn't really have the work I wanted to have. I would have to do something that was just a little bit off-center that wasn't really, you know, full-on live-your-purpose work. And I just believed that that lie. And um, I ended up starting out writing advertising, and it really wasn't a fit for me. 
And it was very good at paying the bills. And I didn't have to work too many hours by the end of it when I was freelancing. But finally, I walked away in great pain when I published my first self-help book with a major publisher and I got a really good book deal and I could live on it for a few years. And after that, I was able to kind of build products and programs. And, you know, then believe it or not, I had a podcast in 2005 (laughs) before most people knew what a podcast was. (laughs) (laughs) I tried everything, like I said. And this all led me to become a workaholic, Ted. And workaholic behavior is very much about denying the truth and pretending that if you don't work on the weekend and, you know, come up with a big launch idea, force your team to like jump to the, (laughs) jump into the fray, you know, and produce results quickly and all that stuff. If you don't do that, something terrible will happen. Mm -hmm. Well, what happened to me was that something terrible finally did happen. And it actually helped me stop being a workaholic. And what happened was in 2012, my daughter and I went to dinner in a restaurant in San Francisco. I had just moved to California a year and a half earlier, and she had come to join me. And she was 22 and, you know, looking looking forward to what she wanted to do, which was to become a healer. And she was going to come to San Francisco and learn how to be a healer. She'd been a blues singer. Now she was on her healing period. And I get this call a few hours after we say goodnight that she had uh, collapsed from a cardiac arrest and was in critical condition. And she died six days later. And that event grounded me in a bizarre reality that I couldn't even believe was happening because there was no explanation for her cardiac arrest. None. It was like nobody could tell me what caused this. They didn't know. And the next day she was going to start taking classes at City College in San Francisco on, you know, sort of esoteric things that she thought would, you know, help her become a healer because she didn't really know what it meant. She just knew she meditated a lot. And this is what she believed. And she was the opposite of me. Teal was a free spirit. She was somebody who earned a little money as a waitress, put it in her pocket, went to the airport, picked a destination and just went with her backpack and her guitar. She sang and played music all over the world on the streets and was a very happy, light, present person with no particular ambition. And she was very happy. And what I learned the minute she died was that I was very unhappy. And I finally was forced to tell the truth about this silly business. I was an internet marketing coach, one of the very early ones, started in 2003. And, you know, that had been a big business. I was one of the few women doing it for quite a few years. And the whole thing imploded. Like it just got way cranked up and way too intense when I came out to California (laughs) and I had, I, I finally kind of ran from it screaming and I didn't know what I was going to do next. And then suddenly Teal died. And because of who she was, it was an amazing, you know, I was really pulled up short just in the most extreme way. And I was really forced to tell the truth about what didn't work in my life, which was pretty much everything. Yeah. Well, first, Susanna, I just want to you know say my deepest condolences and, and so sorry for your loss on, on there. But Thank you. the reality of what you just shared of you know so many times people find themselves at a crossroads where they're forced to reassess their lives, and you hope to you know maybe be able to make changes before it gets there. You are faced with taking a look at this truth and 
recognizing your unhappiness amongst your busy life. And for so many of us, we're going on go with no get, no breaks, all gas, no <laughs> breaks. And we, we don't know how to slow down. We don't know how to stop. Mm-hmm. So we ignore some of that truth. And I know you mentioned that Teal left behind a notebook that has some significance to you. And how did that come about? Because for anyone who's lost a loved one, we do know the, the, the painful work of going through their things and you know finding yeah. out what's kept and what's not. Something as, as, I guess, plain looking as a notebook could easily be lost in the shuffle. How did it come <laughs> about? And, and you, you have it right there. What's the, that significance? She recorded a lot of messages she got while she was meditating. And, you know, it was really funny, Ted, because she asked me when I was deep in my internet marketing frenzy, mom, I keep hearing these little phrases when I meditate, what should I do with it? I said, oh, buy a notebook and write it down, honey. And I I really didn't think about it much, right? Because it was like, there goes Teal being Teal, you know? And I read this notebook after her death from cover to cover many times. And it's completely about becoming present and acknowledging what's true in your life and receiving inspiration about becoming the kind of person she wanted to be. And her connection to her spiritual guidance was profound. On almost every page, she wrote, be and you know, or just be. (laughs) And I remember a life coach in San Francisco, a pretty prominent life coach, went to lunch with Teal because Teal thought maybe she wanted to be a life coach at one point. And Teal ended up coaching the life coach the whole time on being present because the life coach really wasn't. You know, Mm -hmm. so it's like it's a book filled with what I kind of took to be my path to recovery, which was uh, so much about forgetting about the things I thought were important, you know, make my first million and and get a big gang of followers behind me. And and the crazy thing is, Ted, none of that happened. I mean, I had I had a community of people who followed my work, but a much bigger community came out of nowhere almost a year ago, of February 2021, I had a Facebook group that's based on a book I wrote called The Extremely Busy Woman's Guide to Self-Care, which is very much about this journey into self-care that I went on, published it two years ago, you know, because that's the big thing you get in a crisis like that. If you're paying attention, you get to learn about self-care. So I had this little Facebook group. It got to be about 10,000 people, and it was pretty wonderful. And, you know, there'd be a certain number of posts every day, and I was managing it just fine by myself. One day I wake up, and there's 3,200 people who want to join the group. Oh, wow. And I was like, wait a minute, what? 3,200? That's that's all fake. That's that's a yeah. tech glitch, right? Is <laughs> Yeah, a bot, a bot gone mad, right? So I go in there, it's 3,200 women who want to be in my group, and they're all different, and they're all real. So then the next day, it's 2,700. One day, there was more than 5,000. And what had happened was Facebook just shined its light on this group and said, everybody join this group. And suddenly, there were, people were pouring in, and I had to hire a team of, of moderators. I didn't even know how to really do this correctly. So I, I hired a team of moderators, right? Go into yeah. entrepreneur mode. And, <laughs> um, you know, it was nuts. And a hunt, more than 100,000 people requested joining the group. And we admitted about 45,000 wow. of them because they agreed to follow the rules. 
and they were, you know, it's a group for women and non-men, basically. Sorry, men, but, you know, it's a women's group. Good. <laughs> so, you know, you get guys in there who want to join the group. That That's a different thing. Anyway, the group has persisted. And what's really fascinating is I believe this is the healing work that Tia wanted to do. Because I always have her whispering in my ear and people are posting these deep, sensitive you know, I just don't know if I love my husband anymore level of shares, oh, or yeah. I'm so tired of working in a job where I'm not appreciated, but I'm afraid to leave, you know, and a hundred women will jump in there and be like, you can do it. You know, we've got your back. Here's what I learned when I did this. I mean, it's just this huge party of shared experiences that wow. is very intimate and very deep. That's and it's amazing. still going strong. That's amazing. And it's almost like the healing process for you led down this path as yeah. you share your story, people resonate with it. And I'd say Facebook might've shined the light, but <laughs> I think it's your story that, that built that line outside the door for the submission coming in, because I think so many people can relate and so many women obviously can relate. And something our listeners probably are very familiar with is the packed calendar. I've said a couple of times on oh, the podcast, yeah. people look at my Google calendar, they get anxiety. It's color coded. It's <laughs> packed. It's it's a whole bunch of stuff. And if, if it's not yeah, on my Google uh, calendar, I'm not going to do it. And if anybody does see a glimpse of it, the pink is my wife time. So yeah. I allocate time to that as well. <laughs> but so many of us live in this go, go, go lifestyle. Right. And we do so kind of what you alluded to beforehand, like workaholic also denying the truth. We're, we're working so hard in pursuit of an elusive goal or an elusive destination. And we always think that our way to get there faster is by leaning in. Yeah. When, when the reality as oxymoronic as it seems is to lean back and pay more attention to self-care. How do you convince yeah. for some of our extremely ambitious listeners right now who just can't grasp the concept of easing up to go faster? How do you convince someone to, to put more balance in their life and put more attention to self-care? Well, there's some really interesting research about vacations. Hmm. And the deal with vacation is that if you don't take a vacation, you are really vulnerable to heart disease. A 2016 study found 54% of Americans ended the prior year without using any vacation days. And I think because now, because of the pandemic and people are reluctant to travel and people are working from home off and on, it's like it's probably even more difficult. So maybe a vacation isn't really getting on an airplane, but it is taking time for yourself in some way, shape, or form. And actually, the fact of the matter is, Women in particular are something like 80% more vulnerable to heart attacks if they haven't taken a vacation in the last five years. Wow. It really affects your well being. And the crazy thing is that if you plan strategically, you can actually work, you know, you can fit a three day weekend in between two busy weeks and you will come back to work more productive. I mean, a lot of us are work, work, working all the time because we want to be productive, mm -hmm. but we end up slowly, mentally slowing down and we're chugging productivity drinks or caffeine or whatever, but we're still not as sharp and fresh and most of all, relaxed and inspired as we would be if we were really taking good care of ourselves. Before I got on this interview, I was very tired because we have a puppy who likes to get up at 5 a.m. 
<laughs> so rather than, you know, I had the choice, should I work on the novel that I have to write right now? Or should I just lovingly take care of myself? So I took a really lovely long hot shower. And then I lay down and did a yoga nidra meditation for 45 minutes. And I'm in good shape. I don't feel tired anymore. I just feel like I'm ready to do a great conversation with Ted. And if I hadn't, I think I would have been more tense. I would have been, my mind would have been also engaged in the fiction that I'm writing. It, it just would have been not allowing the moment to go as beautifully as it would like to go because too much got crammed into it. And I am the chief offender of cramming too much in. So I really know how appealing that is. And it's yeah. an illusion. Yeah. And I, hey, I can relate because I am the king of putting more on my plate than I could eat and more on my plate than I could take on. So I pack my days in and I'm loving the energy in this podcast because right beforehand, I looked at my wife. I said, I'm going to meditate for a few minutes really quick before I I get ready. So I think the energy that we brought into this space is definitely in the right direction and it's in a good place. And that's what I think a lot of our listeners are hopefully grasping right now in terms of those workaholics who are who can't grasp taking any time off is if you're operating at 80% and you take one day off of work, that's 20% of your week. And then you take that three-day weekend and then you work a full week. Guess what? As a matter of fact, I'll do you a favor. Take a Monday off. <laughs> work 80% <laughs> of your week next week. Come back after a three-day weekend by my math, if you're operating at 100%, you're going to be just as productive with that four-day week after your vacation than the five-day week prior. And that's kind of the, the logic and the mindset behind how unplugging actually works. And I want to interrupt, if I may, uh, gently to say that CNN did a study that says vacations make you 80% more productive. 80%. That is not 20%. That's 80%. There you go. <laughs> That's two work weeks worth in, in one week when you well, get that. Yeah. And you have more fun and you have better relationships because all that stuff's going on in the background, right? Mm-hmm. You have wife time in your calendar. God bless you on behalf of all women. I say this, Ted. Thank you. Because so many times when we're really workaholicking, we forget mm-hmm. the rest of the people in our lives. I did that to my kids. Yeah. And I'll never be able to repair that. You know? Absolutely. And well, to your point, she asked me one day. What are you doing this this whole thing for? Uh, I'm doing it for the family. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, what's on your priority list? And I appreciate it. And, you know, it comes from the transparency and the conversations you have with your significant other. But the reality was, it was a great question. I had to face the truth. What is my priority? And I do time blocking. So a lot of everything Mm -hmm. I have is, is kind of added up in hours. And we looked at it one day. Sleep, that was number one. Number two was my day job, which was the 40 hours a week or whatnot. Mm -hmm. But number three, everything that was out of my control, everything that was out of my control was one and two. But number three, Mm -hmm. in terms of time allocated was Jess, was my wife. So that was kind of a good window into what your priorities actually are. And I encourage our listeners, hey, I understand if you have your day job, that might take up the most time. We've said it before, you spend more time at work than you do with your significant other. Part of working so hard is is to change that. But for some of us who work hard, we tend to to overdo it. We we tend to yeah. okay. I look at my to do list. I'm going to crush these goals. I'm going to first. I'm going to set those B hags, those big 
audacious goals. Big hairy audacious goals. I'm yeah. going for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go all in. And then at the end, I'm I'm exhausted because I, I've done too much. Yeah. How can we gauge the proper amount of effort per se of going after these things? Because overproduction okay. can be so a problem. I'm so glad you mentioned time blocking because time blocking is the reality check. Right. Mm -hmm. And what I really like to do is suggest that people take an empty calendar and they begin with self-care. What do they actually need? Most of us don't even know what we need, Ted. It's (laughs) like I would humbly suggest most people need to spend some time either walking, being in nature, maybe going for a run. if That's your thing. But somehow moving your body in a way that it is repetitive because it'll give your brain some space and it'll stir your creative thoughts and you'll have the brainstorm in the shower. You know, Mm -hmm. another thing all of us need is alone time. We need to be alone with our thoughts. And sometimes that is when you're running, if you don't have, you know, a podcast in your ears or you're, you know, running with a friend or whatever, we need to be able to hear ourselves think, right? And these are the things that get put into the blank calendar. So the way you build a life that is balanced is you start with the basic self-care stuff you need. You put that into the calendar, good time of year to do it right now, and you make it habitual. So it is in that calendar, you know, three to five times a week or whatever is habitual for you. And it doesn't have to be hours. It could mm-hmm. be 20 minutes, could be half an hour. But the point is, it's you time. It's you time. And, you know, meditation is lovely. There's lots of ways to create more you time, but it's got to be in there. And I would also suggest a lunch break needs to be in everybody's schedule. Many, many, many entrepreneurs and workaholic folks do not take lunch. Big mistake because you end up having a much less productive afternoon without taking that break. In fact, you are really, if you're working at a computer, you need to take a break every 60 minutes. And that break needs to be something totally different. I have um, worked in environments in offices where one of my bosses played jazz bass and he had everybody who played music come into his office and there'd be like a half hour music break every day at lunch. It was pretty good. And they they weren't bad, these musicians. (laughs) And I mean, that's what I'm talking about is something totally different that takes you out of work brain. You know, maybe it's just playing a, maybe it's playing a game. You know, maybe it's playing some music or, you know, some headphones. Maybe it's lying on your back with your legs up the wall, (laughs) whatever (laughs) it is. It's something we want to put in there that will always be there, that will be warm and rewarding and nurturing and feel good. Yeah, it's it's kind of like one of my my guilty pleasures. I'm not sure if I've ever said this on the podcast is uh, when I was young, I was a big gamer. I played a lot of games on my computer and my PlayStation Mm -hmm. or whatnot. And I have a PlayStation three. I have, I have a PlayStation four. I don't have a PlayStation Mm -hmm. five because I don't play enough, but Mm -hmm. sometimes I like to boot up my PlayStation and play call of duty and cannot understand how I find that (laughs) relaxing. She's like, you have all these things going on. You have people shooting you from nowhere. This just gives me anxiety for me. It's, It's a way to unplug, but <laughs> exactly. This is what I'm talking about. And everybody processes differently. For me, it's cooking. Yeah. I was having like this peak experience last night making sauteed chicken livers and wild rice. I was having mm. so much fun. Puppy underfoot, my wife came in and out. You know, it was just like a lovely thing. And it was absolutely me time. I was having my thoughts while I was cooking. 
Yeah. I was really connecting with ideas and I was following a little set of instructions in the background. Sometimes, and I did this a lot after my daughter died, I would just drive, drive, yeah. drive, drive. I lived in the wine country north of San Francisco and at that time, and it's beautiful up there. And it was just a really, really soothing thing, even in the rainy winter months to just drive, you know, mm. and see the landscape go by. And it's that kind of thing. And if you make a habit out of it, don't you just schedule it once a week? Schedule yeah. something every day. It's like, look, <laughs> this is your life. Mm. You know, how are you going to live this mortal coil? You could die tomorrow, my friends. Mm -hmm. Nobody saw Teal's death coming. That came out of the blue. And for me, I looked at that and I said, I have to become a better person. I just yeah. cannot sit by and let her die. And I go on living like this plugged in crazy person who's doing way too much and hates her work. Yeah. And it's yeah. all about the money and who cares about the money? We have, to put, ourselves, we have right? to put ourselves first. And the first thing I put on my calendar when I started time blocking was my sleep. The very mm. first thing I scheduled was my sleep. And then I scheduled everything else, including TED time, which yeah. is what I use for whether it's indulging to watch a show, play a game, meditate, relax, doing the things that I find relaxing, you know, self-care, it has to be a priority. Yeah. And I know a lot of your work, especially when you talk about, you know, self-care for busy women, it, it's geared towards women. When you're laying out those things on the calendar and you're saying, hey, this is the time for, for me, this is the time for me to take care of myself, you know, that, that does require some boundaries Yeah. where I have, I have a job where I wake up at two o'clock in the morning. My friends don't call me past eight o'clock at night. I've quote unquote, I haven't, I'm not going to say trained them, but they know <laughs> I'm asleep at that time. You've so trained nobody, them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, nobody calls me because they've found out when my availability time is. And, and I've set that boundary, Yeah, which could be easier for some than others. And I, and I know women have a hard time having the ability to set that boundary. What is a good way to set that boundary? How can you encourage folks to maybe be stern and you know what's for them and not feel so bad about some of the obligations that other people put on them? Well, this is the thing. And it's particularly a problem for women because most women are nurturers and feel that they are here to serve others. And the guilt that comes with claiming your space in a culture that rewards overproductivity and overproduction is huge. By overproduction, I mean a lot of us do more than the job actually requires because we want to look good or we want to be the one who gets the biggest bonus or we want to be, you know, just able to brag or we're afraid to not overproduce. Overproducing for women means if you have a child who hates vegetables, you rush home from work and make them little thing, you know, little <laughs> boat-shaped vegetable cutlets. You know, yeah, <laughs> that's what yeah. I'm talking about. Look appealing. <laughs> oh, Exactly. Or you are the person who reliably stays late at work and has to, you know, hustle and do everybody else's work to try to get noticed. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have ambition. I'm not saying that we shouldn't perform well, but it's in balance because you burn out doing that. You burn out. Or we've got voices in our own head, which was my story, saying this is never good enough. You know, you can be one of the early podcasters in internet marketing and who cares? That's not really anything significant. You know, you can, you can have all these clients or make all this money and 
And <laughs> it's never, if you don't believe you're good enough, it's never going to be good enough. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't know if I'm answering your question exactly, but I, I do feel that there is a time and a place to set limits and it's an experiment. And we have to be willing to see what the upside is aside from the downside, which is, oh, they might be alarmed. I mean, I had a woman in my group who said, you know, I asked the question one day, what are you tolerating that you could let go of? And her answer was my job. So she went in to quit her job and Mm. she was ready to leave. And her boss was so determined to keep her, they renegotiated her whole deal. So she got the same salary for half the hours. And that's what I'm talking about is like, Sometimes the boundary just naturally leads you to the better solution unexpectedly. That's amazing because I have a similar group, actually male focused. It's called the modern man. And and we talk about men's mental health and things. And I asked, I asked the group, you know, what are some of the bad habits that you've held on to way too long? And we're starting to get some of these habits and some very vulnerable habits of, you know, guys saying, you know, I drink too much in the weekends and things like that. And then my follow-up comment was, well, why haven't you stopped it? Mm-hmm. It's almost like for so many of us, the answer to what we we want so bad is on the other side of us just taking the step towards it. Kind mm-hmm. of what you mentioned earlier, being a workaholic and working so much, we or you know, paying attention and tell the truth. Mm-hmm. You pay attention. Me asking that question it was just simply a question of like, hey, wh- what bad habits do you have? Yeah. And they told the truth. Now the next step is, okay, what do you do with it? And just like you mentioned that one person in the group setting the boundary, Hey, I don't want to work here anymore. They still work there, but they get the same salary for half the work. So that's a little bit of a compromise with those being just some of the the benefits that people could experience with, with self-care as we're coming to the end of our time here, painting the picture for our listeners, if they haven't been sold already on the importance of self-care, <laughs> right? <laughs> and some of the benefits that, that can come about from it. What would you say would be some of the some of the return on investment for our listeners to maybe take a week, maybe two, three weeks to really hone in on that self-care, pay attention and go hard on taking care of themselves? What are some of the changes that they can end up seeing in their lives? Or go soft. I'll or go soft. <laughs> I was or trying not to play having to an the... agenda at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, dare I say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm so glad you asked because honestly, I don't need to convince anybody. If they're listening to this and they're wondering why they always have a sore neck, why they always have tension in their jaw or their shoulders, why they want to punch somebody out who would be really inappropriate to punch out. <laughs> if they feel like, they're spending out of control. They're actually have addictive behaviors that they don't even want to acknowledge. You know, like there's a light motif of, you know, unhelpful stuff that plays in the background of our lives often. Mm-hmm. And we don't pay attention and we don't go on vacations and we don't take care of ourselves because we don't want to slow down enough to listen to it and acknowledge it. But what I'm here to say is that healing that that's what puts your life in order and actually helps you succeed. Because, you know, like for me, I thought that I was really successful having this big life before Teal died. And then I attracted an investor who hires me to write novels. I live incredibly comfortably. I have a lot of fun. 
I'm also on the side doing the self-care podcast and publishing books about it and articles and so forth. And my work is has a much, much bigger reach than it ever had before, simply because I surrendered to fixing up the problems and moving ahead in grace instead of moving ahead like a slog that I have to force myself to march through. Yeah. That's amazing. And I think that's the ROI so many folks I hope can realize because it's almost like the thing and the destination that we're looking for is probably different than what we're going towards and looks (laughs) a lot different in reality, which could surprise us when we finally get it. (laughs) Amen. Suzanne, how can folks connect with you? Follow the podcast read some of your work and for the women that are listening, join your group as long as they're willing to follow the rules, of course. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, and the work is called The Extremely Busy Woman's Guide to Self-Care. That's the book or the podcast, Self-Care for Extremely Busy Women. But hey, I know there's some men who enjoy it too. Mm-hmm. And what I'd say is if you're curious about my books and my work, come on over to the website, Suzanne Falter, S-U-Z-A-N-N-E-F. A-L-T-E-R.com. And I have all kinds of things going on over there. And it's a pretty nice assessment on seeing where your self-care is at. So you might find that helpful. Wonderful. Well, Suzanne, thank you. This has been incredibly valuable as I knew it would. And I know our, our listeners really did enjoy it. And we appreciate just not only your vulnerability with uh, sharing the story about your, your daughter and, and everything, but also sharing the journey of healing and your expertise. Thank you for mm. all that. Mm, thank you, Ted. Wonderful show. Love Appreciate the conversation. That. Thank you. Thank you. And I am going to recap some gems really quick along the way as we come to the end for some of our listeners. I know a lot of times as, as we listen, we don't always have a pen and paper handy, or maybe you're cleaning the house while listening, which I hope you got a lot done. The bathroom looks great. Pay attention and tell the truth. That's something that so many of us tend not to do. We live in a, in a world where I've gotten five notifications during this episode. You get the chimes, the rings, and we're always distracted by the notifications going on around us that we forget to pick up on the notifications within ourselves, paying attention to the world around us and telling the truth of our situation, being honest with ourselves, working towards the solution. I wrote down workaholic equals deny the truth. What are you working so hard for? What are you working so hard towards? I can tell the story of the fisherman who used to fish and had amazing cooking abilities and would play music with his friends. And when a business investor offered him millions of dollars to play music in a restaurant selling his fish, he says, what would I use the money for? And the guy says, the Minnesota says, well, you can go to the beach, you can, you can relax and you can play music whenever you want. And he says, sir, I do that now. So understand that your riches might be more obtainable than you think. Be present in the moment, both Suzanne and I taking the time to do self-care before this podcast recording so we could be present in the conversation. And I truly do believe that the the value and the benefits from that were seen and and experienced. Take a vacation. You don't have to tell me twice. I'm going to set it up right after this. I'm buying a plane ticket and we're going to go somewhere or a staycation, or maybe a small getaway, maybe 30 minutes from your house. You don't have to go far to feel like you're someplace else. And then do what you need to do. Start with self-care. And of course, surrender to fixing the problem. Don't fight so hard against the solution that might be right in front of you. I know it sounds oxymoronic to slow down, to speed up, 
but why not try it? Because everything else hasn't worked so far. Suzanne, thank you again. And to the listeners, thank you for making it to the end. I hope you enjoyed this. If you did and you got value from it, please share it with a friend. That's the best compliment you can give us here at No Rain, No Rainbows. And of course, be sure to subscribe to get new episodes each and every single week. Hit that like button and leave a rating to let us know how we're doing. The only way we can get better and address some of your personal issues is if we know what we need to address. And of course, if you really love the podcast and you want to hear more from our guests like Suzanne and others, you can support monetarily on our Patreon page for as little as $1 a month. Guys, thank you so much for rocking with us on this episode. We appreciate it. And as we always say at the end, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without first the pain. Let's grow.